0: You should know what that means already. That's the best kind of notification. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Shopify is the e-commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling succulents or stilettos, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. What's incredible to me, personally, Charlotte, about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and take it to the next level. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash true faith or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash true faith to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash true faith.
1: It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle came back to beat Southampton by three goals to one on another magic afternoon at St James's Park. I'm Alex. I've got Charlotte, Mick Martin, and Rob. To join us today to talk through what happened and why is Newcastle take another step forward toward the Champions League. First little advert for you: come and join us on Patreon. It's three to eight pounds a month. We've got loads going on this week, reflecting on this game and building up to a monster game with Arsenal. We'll have a review of this show. We've got a full preview. We'll have Craig Hope on as well to talk about this fixture and much more. Three to eight pounds a month. Charlotte, another fantastic afternoon at St James's Park. Wasn't straightforward though, was it?
0: No, another fantastic 45 minutes. Uh, No, it was not straightforward. That was... um, I really hate this. And I said this on the instant reaction after Everton. I hate this game of two halves. But it was, wasn't it? It was a game of two halves. Um, First half was a little bit... uh, Couldn't get it going. um, Bit difficult. And we made some changes. Eddie Howe made some changes at halftime. Crowd kind of woke up a little bit, I think, for the second half. Uh, even, before, even before the goals, the crowd definitely felt like it changed for the second half and we got back into the game and won. So, yeah, I feel sort of wrung out a little bit, but um, obviously really happy.
1: Mick, the, 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 the story after this one is going to be all about Callum Wilson. We're going to talk about Callum Wilson a lot, but do you think part of it has to be about Eddie Howen being as ruthless as that? at halftime I, I, I don't know many managers who've managed Newcastle who would do what he did after 45.
2: Yeah, it's a good good point. He made the right changes as he as he often does. So, yeah. yeah so you can't criticize him for that. Um uh, ultimately, it's all about the team and um and the uh, and the way he, he jiggled it around at halftime. Um in terms of the personnel really worked, but it it just seemed to work that they seemed to come out and a completely different mindset. I think the mindset was the main thing, which was we're going to go down your throats, and they, they never got out. Their half did they? the second half.
1: It was an unbelievable turnaround, Rob. Uh, how, how did it look from your vantage point of the ground, which I forget where it is. So remi- <laughs> r- Reminders, but um, yeah, like Mick says, uh, and Charlotte says also. It was almost two t- two different teams from Newcastle United first half, second half, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it's in the the Leesers corner, and it was a good view, um, and it was great, as I say, in that second half, as was said, to see us come out as a different side, and, and it's not the first time this season that we've seen a total turnaround from the players. You, uh, we've seen Eddie Howe on the sidelines having a go at the players, even when we're winning, because he still didn't think we were playing well enough under his standards. We were literally down in the concourse, half-time, with a beer, 1-0 down, and we're literally saying Eddie Howe will have the wallpaper off those walls in there. He is telling them right now what they've done wrong, what they need to do right. And we've seen it before. We've seen the the reactions, and you're going out second half hoping that those players will listen to what that man has to say. As you've mentioned, big change. Gordon off, Wilson on. We actually set it down at half-time in the concourse as well. And I said, he's come on, in fairness, Gordon, I thought he had a few chances. I think he should have scored in the first half, but like you rightly said, he was ruthless. He brought the man on, he was in form, and he got the goals and and took us to a different level in that second 45 minutes.
1: Mick just said it there uh, quite well. That was a massive game for someone. It was -hmm. a massive game. And you could tell in the way they approached the game, the effort they put in, the animation of their manager on the sidelines, They'll have got in half time thinking, job half done, yeah. Get out there, second half. They had a little huddle before the second half yeah. started. And it just shows it's all bullshit, isn't it? It's all for <laughs> show nonsense. That doesn't mean anything because they did they could they, they did make a forward pass. They didn't they didn't have a shot. That Nick Pope doesn't have to make a save second half. How will Southampton, who are one 0 up, playing with confidence, go from there into kind of just just get this over? The full time whistle was the best thing that happened to them. Was unbelievable turnaround from Newcastle United, and we'll have to talk about Callum Wilson. Four goals this week. This is a lad who, you know, lots of people, myself included, the fall off in his form was so great mm. pre and post World Cup. You did wonder, uh, has something gone wrong? Will he get it back? Will he ever be able to contribute to toward this team the way he, he previously did? He's had his injury problems. He had a bad cup. Finally, he wasn't the only one, but he, you know, he didn't do himself justice that day either. And it's a little bit of a re- redemption story. And it looks now like he has a future in Newcastle United beyond this season. And, I mean, Mick, I'll come to you on this one. Can you drop him? Can you afford not to play him in this form heading into Arsenal next week?
2: I, I wouldn't kind of think in terms of dropping players and it, I mean, minute, particularly Wilson and attacking players because how's rotating them within the team and they're, they're playing 45 minutes, they might be playing an hour and then coming off and then playing the next game or starting the next game or not starting the next game, etc. So I think it's a, you know, with... With the amount of substitutes you can have now i think the game's changed and it is just using what he's got in front of him so I, I i wouldn't even say when he didn't start the day i didn't even think about him being dropped i just thought he'll play at some point um and he'll change it during the game and obviously change it at half time and and wow when he came on the pitch he looked like a man possessed and changed everything, you know, just with his <clears throat> with his endeavour and his intensity and his appetite to uh, to drag the game uh, towards the Southampton goal, which was, you know, he was he was phenomenal. And I thought we got more out of Isaac that way as well on the left hand side. He just looked Isaac just looked like so much of a threat. He, you know, I've just been chatting to pals of mine, we're just remarking on how quick his feet are. But you know, the two of them can play together, but maybe not too up front to. You know, one can play on. I think Wilson's going to play it down the middle, and uh, Isak's going to play on the left. But we'll see if we're going to see a lot of those changes during games.
0: That's what I kind of wanted to bring up because Wilson did change the game. Wilson scored the goals. Wilson brings a lot of power, a lot of um, sort of that bullying kind of feel up front. Um, but yeah, it's Wilson and Isak, isn't it? Alexa- allowing Alexander Isak that space on the on the left-hand side to collect the ball. You know he can score, so if he dribbles it in and, and he's close to the goal, you, you, you're you not worried about him then passing. You know he can score from those positions. But he just teed up some absolutely lovely um, balls. In fact, in the first half, you and I, Alex, were talking about this before he teed up one of Gordon's misses. And... Um, and then he teed up that, that first goal for Wilson and it's just it's just really beautiful play. And as uh, Mick rightly says, Wilson's that sort of straight down the middle centre forward who's just there ready to collect those balls and score. And watching those two play together is, is really, I feel very lucky.
1: <laughs> 15 goals and four assists now for Callum Wilson this season. And he's missed a significant part of that through either lack of form or injury or illness. Uh, they're, they're scary figures, and I'm just reading some stuff online, that um, Wilson and Isak are actually the two most prolific goal scorers in the Premier League in terms of minutes played to goals, apart from Erling Haaland, who kind of is out there by himself in a whole separate category mm. of, of centre-forward at the minute. But these these figures are, are exceptional, and if you're Arsenal next week, I really like the fact that you can't just train all week to deal with Alexander Isak, mm. there's a chance and you saw that from Southampton today they didn't have a response to Wilson they didn't they didn't have a response that the, it was almost kind of chaos was introduced in Southampton instead of saying right we might have to shift to a back five or we might have to someone might have to drop in midfield to to match him physically couldn't do it didn't have an answer but that's because it's hard and he's a good player and he can a good team but it's a huge advantage having two players like that in the same squad who can really ask questions of the opposition and, and more often than not and it was the same with Everton on uh, on Wednesday night, Thursday night, they didn't they didn't have an answer. A lot of teams, particularly at the bottom end of the Premier League, they, they might one week uh, out of two have an answer to, to Isaac or Wilson, but they don't have an answer to them both. And I think, Mick's right, you are more likely to see them playing across a front three rather than playing together. But what you saw today was 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 a real class Premier League centre forward performance from a lad, another lad who um, who was here before the takeover, who was here under Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce. And Eddie Howe's come in and and improved him, and he was pretty good before the takeover, but he's improved him, uh, which is which is extraordinary. So it's an unbelievable performance, and, and some words from you, Rob on, on Wilson.
3: Yeah, he's he's quality, and, and you've said it right there. That's that's where we want to be. Eddie Howe isn't scared to to pull punches. He's not scared to drop Wilson after scoring two goals in the game. Isaac comes on, scores the greatest assist anybody's ever seen. Like, the, <laughs> the pair of them are playing so well right now and it's almost unusual to have two players in such great form and for Eddie Howe to not just say, you know what, screw it, we're going to play them both. He did obviously later on in that game and I think we all like to see them when they are together, but Eddie Howe knows how he wants to play football, he knows the formation, he's sticking with what's been working and I think it helps the players as well because us as a side go into a game know what they're going to do. They know their role. They know who covers who. They know who runs where. And to be able to interchange two players in the form of their lives is just working out to be the, the perfect scenario. And and that's not too long ago, we were having conversations on these podcasts about do we have the depth? Did we buy enough in January? And right now it's so satisfying to see a player like Wilson come off the bench and go, yeah. He's coming on. He will change the game. He he will impact this side. We have options and the players are bringing on are, are significantly affecting and um, making big changes to the, to the games.
1: Brilliant. It's been a brilliant day and it's brilliant to kind of have these kind of conversations. Callum Wilson, what a player, what a performance and I uh, can't wait to see what Eddie does against Arsenal next week. We'll leave part one of the show there. Uh, There's some adverts now. If you want to get rid of the adverts, come and join us on Patreon for just £3 a month back after
4: these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Make the player who who who
1: was sacrificed for the Wilson change and what a change it was. But was Anthony Gordon forty-five million pounds shown long staff? Uh, his exclusion a day through injury, and Eddie Howe has confirmed post-game that it, it's not a serious injury and he should be back for Arsenal next week. But but Gordon comes in massive opportunity. Uh, what did he make of his performance and then subsequent substitution?
2: I think he he was only threatened for maybe the first 20 minutes of the game. I thought he was really great going down the left-hand side. And in, in fact, the lad uh, I got the match with said he could be Alan san Maximian's replacement rather than someone to play alongside of him in some kind of new formation or whatever. So I thought he did really, really well. I think what was really unfortunate was the good chance he missed. Um, I think that would have changed the whole dynamics, not only of the game, but also the conversation about him as well. So, you know, there's people kind of saying, oh, but well, he hasn't done this, he hasn't done that. That goes on the inside of the post and it's like, right, he's up and running. He just needs that moment when he does get a, a goal or he you know, he does something really special when it'll happen for him. It will happen for him. It didn't happen for Isaac at first. Um, and it will happen for Anthony Gordon. I'm absolutely certain of it. And he will get another chance this season. Um, what I've really kind of struggled to get a, a hold of was... Um, why he was switched? Why this? Why he switched sides? Mm. I did. I didn't get that. I di- and I thought. I thought he kind of. I didn't think Murphy did much when he came on the left hand side, in the second, in the first half rather. And I don't think uh, Gordon got much on the right hand side either. So I did. I didn't think that worked. So obviously, Howes played him on both sides and thought, right, I'm going to take him off at off time and try something new. And the new was Isaac on the left hand side, and that and that worked. So he was sacrificed for the team. I don't think he had a bad game. Um, this is what happens in a, elite sports. You have you know technical changes are made. He'll get another chance. I wish him all the very best. I think he's got tremendous talent. And in the early part of the game, I thought he was terrific. I thought he was a he was he was going to really make a difference. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for him.
0: I feel a bit like. Um you know, some of the comments on social media, and I know that can kind of get blown out of proportion and you can kind of feel like that's the consensus when it's just a small minority of people. But some people are saying he didn't have a good game. He lacks that end product. What have we bought him for? And I was, I feel like that's really harsh because as you say, Mick, there he was really our only threat in that in the first half, he had two uh, good shots uh, on top well, just, just wide of the goal. One hit the, one hit the woodwork and one went wide. Um, and I get needing to bring on an out and out striker like Callum Wilson and wanting to retain his set because we needed that cover on the left hand side. So I understand why he was brought off. I think um, he's also a bit of a confidence player, and and if he didn't get those goals, could his head of he still needs a bit more time under Eddie Howe? He's he's only been here since January. Um, we've seen him get a little bit stroppy before we know he still needs to develop but I, I definitely didn't think he had a bad game I think it's a really big call and the right call actually obviously we won 3-1 <laughs> um to have brought him off but um digging him out for his performance I don't think is right
1: he's 21 years old you know make make great point about Isak even Bruno when he first came how many you know took him six games to get in the team yeah we are in a very fortunate position that we can sign players for £45 million pound and we don't need them to hit the ground running instantly. We signed Julian for £40 million pound and it looked like a huge mistake for a long time. And that, that, that all, there was like a cloud above the club because it was the finally gone out and spent money and it had gone badly. We're not in that position now because we have other players contributing. We have other players to carry him a little bit until, until that point when he can contribute at the same level. But also, as Mick said, he was the biggest threat in the first half real shame not just to, to, to score that goal and there was also a couple of other moments which were quite quite nice where he could have done a little bit better but ultimately again like you said charlotte newcastle got options joe linton could have gone wide left anderson maxman's injured if he'd been there he'd have been an option joe willock can go wide left You can switch murphy there and then he goes with Isak. so it keeps the opposition guessing and it must be really hard to defend against but you know it, it does seem to be a bit of a social media thing with them um, with gordon i think newcastle fans a lot of them at the match anyway just want him to do really, really well as quickly as possible. He's got everyone's support and, yeah. and the fans were singing his name there in the first half in the corner, so no issues there. Rob, in terms of the first half, what, what did you think was missing? Do you have to give Southampton some credit or what, what went wrong for Newcastle?
3: It was an interesting one because I think we've obviously seen us score quite a few goals this week and everyone was kind of walking in and thinking, how many can we get today? So I, I feel like there was a little bit about that. I think um, I often, although it is bank holiday, I think, the crowd got a little bit more excited maybe after the halftime pints, but I, I often feel yeah. like at two o'clock on a Sunday, the games are a little bit quieter than the standard 3 p.m. Saturday. Everybody's out, everyone's in. I felt like the, the game felt a little bit slow to start from both the players and us. I mean, going into it, and I, I said it beforehand, is Spurs are, sorry, Southampton are looking at this game and going, wow, Spurs conceded 20 goals in five minutes. (laughs) Let's make sure we don't do that today. Um, And that was the thing. Spurs walked in, sleepwalking. I think Southampton were fully aware of Mm -hmm. what to expect coming to St. James's Park. We have to be fully alert to make sure it doesn't happen. And they were doing a decent job of keeping us out uh, as the game... You don't sound
0: sure. (laughs) Yeah.
3: As I say, because I was... Because that would insinuate that we were the team pressing. Right. Because really, they actually were pushing us just as much as Mm. we were pushing them. So it was quite 50-50, but we seemed a little bit slower than I would have liked. You think of how great we've been in in a few games. And it just seems with us as (laughs) it almost just takes that one to get us going. And we've spoken about the Gordon chances in that first half. We had three all of coming down the left hand side, one hit the side netting, one hit the post. Mm. I fully believe that had Gordon finished one of those chances, we would have just taken over that game and, and saw it through to the end. But Southampton, with a team who put the ball in the back of the net from from what I could see all the way across the other side of the stadium, was a fairly simple
0: goal that we didn't block out. It was a it was an annoying goal to concede that one. T- ball got taken off Bruno in midfield, and then. It wasn't wasn't great defending, but we yeah. made up for it.
1: The lad ghosted in front of Trippier, yeah, who probably should have done better, but can't be perfect all the time. Shame, <laughs> shame not to keep another clean sheet because really, in, in terms of the balance of the game, Southampton offered very, very little yeah. apart, apart from that smash and grab uh, breakaway goal. I mean, Nick, Nick put made a save first minute or two, and I think in the second half Southampton only touched the ball in our half once, and that was in the 90th minute, which is damning if you're chasing the game to try and stay in the Premier League, but. Um, it, you know what happens Charlotte you want to talk about the atmosphere and maybe just the start of the game after the weekly castle have had it mm. just it just did feel a little bit flat
0: yeah it did and I think Rob kind of touched on it there that the, the 2 p.m kickoff and the um the Sunday it's just it's, it is a bit weird and awkward and it is a bank holiday so maybe you might have thought people might be a bit more lively but it was it was I, I think Luke Edwards tweeted um something i never thought would happen has happened and newcastle have come have have started this game expecting to win and so have their fans and it was it was a bit quiet obviously the um flag display was great they had the the giant flag on the leasers, which was a good way to start the game but sort of settled into it and and there was i think because southampton are bottom of the table and we're third and uh, there was just kind of an expectation they were terrible midweek this will be fine we'll be fine and then it became kind of just like an odd we were talking just before and Mick pointed out it's almost like a cup game crowd, very chattery. There was a lot of chatter in the crowd. There weren't loads of um, chants. There wasn't a lot of singing, certainly not where I was. I was um, sort of close to the Lees' corner of the East stand today. And um, we definitely woke up in the second half, as I said before, before the goal. Obviously, the goals help, but it was before the goal. It was a sort of recognition that we've made a change on the pitch, we also need to make a change in the stands and we need to get behind... St. James's Park is such a difficult place to come. Let's actually make it a difficult place to come. Um, and we did pick up, but yeah, it was, it was an odd one in the first half.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it happens. And I I expected to win today because Newcastle are good and Southampton are not. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with, with going and expecting to win the game. And I think the players also deserve that kind of expectation they've been very very good for a very long time and Southampton haven't they're a pretty bad team as it turns out sometimes it's hard though isn't it because Southampton didn't really offer anything at all from an attacking perspective and games Newcastle have struggled in this season tend to have been against lesser opposition if you look at the points we've dropped at home palace Leeds, Bournemouth um you know when when teams kind of don't come out and when they make the midfield very combative, uh, Bruno struggles, can't get in the ball, can't get any passes going. The centre backs have to push up quite forward. Uh, the full backs have to push far up the pitch because you've got to try and break them down. You leave yourselves open to the counter attack, which is essentially what happens. And Mick, Mick, you said it reminded you a little bit, didn't you, of those games that struggle to break teams down? What is it you think Newcastle can do better in those circumstances apart from bring Callum Wilson on and change the game from that perspective?
2: Well, I think we've got a kind of it's a mindset thing. It, again, I kind of bang this drum for it, but it, we've had this before this season. We've, as you rightly say, Alex, with the Bournemouth game, the Palace game, etc. We, we kind of they're not the glamour games, or the, they're not the they're not the they're not the games where we kind of bounce up to St James's Park for Man United or Spurs or Liverpool, etc. They're a different type of game, and they're a different type of test for the players. So the players will. Are just the same as us. I think they'll, they'll be thinking this is Man United, this is Tottenham, this is Arsenal. We've got to be up for it a little bit more. And what I detected in the team, the, how we started the game today, was there was a degree of sloppiness with the passing. Um, I thought there were mistakes that were Shaw made a couple in the first half, Trippier even did, and Bruno did for the for the goal. And you know, and I felt the the goal that Southampton scored was coming. Although they'd never breached our defence, I felt as though there was something not quite right in the middle of the park. And we when we made a mistake, they were very quickly up the up the park. We've beat them four times this season, but I think they've given us a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, every time we've played them, I think they've we've they've they've given us a they've given us a game. And I thought there was lots of energy in their midfield in particular. I thought they were quite physical. Um the referee didn't help. I thought he was awful. Um you know, then they were doing what a team at the bottom would do, particularly when they they've got something to hang on to. about breaking the play up and wasting time, etc. I'm not going to criticise them for that. I've seen your castle do it plenty of times, so I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to slaughter them for that. But we just didn't. We didn't be we didn't seem to have the tools to cope with it until half time. And obviously but I think the key thing, you change the personnel, but the mindset changed dramatically in the second half. And that's not the first time that's happened this season. So we're starting games sometimes a little bit, not kind of in the wide awake club, so to speak. Um but um I think in terms of answering your question long way around is that we we need to start the games a little bit more on the front foot rather than kind of wait to see what they're doing and then get a rocket from Eddie Howe at half-time because there'll be a game this season where that's too late. We might be 2-0 down uh, at half-time. Uh, Villa was Villa was exactly that. We weren't able to claw ourselves back into the game. Mm-hmm. So And and if we start slowly against Arsenal next week, we'll forget about winning that game as well.
1: There is, there is that theme, isn't there? Because, you know, Brentford were poor in the first half. Brentford could have been much further ahead. How makes, again, the same change at half-time. Even Everton on Thursday, Everton were in the game first half in a way that they were in second half. Mm. I think there's a couple of things to discuss there. Number one, opposition teams are allowed to play well and, and give you a game and, and make things difficult for you. And you could also, although I, I agree Newcastle have to start games better on the whole, we are better at finishing games than the opposition. That We get stronger as the game goes on. Teams seem to tire... You look at a player like Joe Willock today who was very quiet first half and is just absolutely everywhere second half. They couldn't keep up with him. Charlotte, you you were talking to me about him. What did you make of his performance?
0: Joe Willock, just every time, I just think he's so good. I can't wait. I want to see his heat map. I've been looking on the um, <laughs> on the NUF. I find those really interesting. I really like looking at them. Um, but he t- I can't get over that. He's only 23. There's so much more for him to to give. And his performances are just getting more and more mature. He's he's looking for the ball. He was the reason Callum Wilson scored um that second goal that he got. And it's just this it's this really nice little tap back. I, I'm it's intentional. He's been crowded out by two players and he knows Wilson's there. He's I just think he's a really intuitive player. He knows he's there, he taps it out, Wilson runs up and collects it and obviously scores. I just love watching him. I think he's um I think he's not a flashy player. I think he just gets his head down and kind of it really, like, works really hard. And I really love that in a player. I think that's a very Eddie Howe type of player. I can't wait to see how he develops in this team because, as I say, he's so young and there's still so much more we can get from him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And really good to to highlight that impact on the third goal. And, you know, he was he was really unlucky himself, Willock, to... to not get on the score sheet at the end of the game and that's 13 goals now for Newcastle in the last seven days and a player like Joe Willock is just absolutely instrumental to that I also think we should talk about the absence of Sean Longstaff Newcastle have a guaranteed starter drop out the team at relatively short notice for this one um and Newcastle ultimately did come up with an answer but mate you're really pleased that he's um he's back next week aren't you
2: Absolutely, because I think he's a player that is valued when he's out of the team more than when he's in it. It seems from from some quarters. I mean, obviously, he didn't play at Villa and they got murdered there. He didn't. He didn't play this. You know, he didn't play the day, and I thought I thought he was really really um, notable by his absence in the first half because of his because of his running. And I thought Bruno probably does better alongside long stuff. I think I'll make that kind of. Shout out now for uh, for 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 uh, for Sean Longstaff. I think he's a very very energetic player he Gets all over the all over the park. Uh, he's he adds so much in terms of his work rate. Just on just to say while I've got the mic on, um, <laughs> well, just to pick up on um, Charlotte's point about Joe Willick. What I've noticed about him, all of a sudden, it seems as though he's massive. He's got this these great big shoulders on him and chest, and physically he's. He's just developed Um, you know he's looking like a bit of a beast you know he's probably he could get in the in the, uh, in the the ring with Joe Linton which would be people would pay to watch wouldn't they? So I'm looking for the similar thing from Isaac maybe next season he'll develop yeah. physically so we're really really physically strong. Long staff will probably add that to himself as well but he's just got so much energy he was a big miss today I thought.
1: Anyone else Robin? this part of the show you want to highlight any players you thought did well today?
3: I think generally speaking, um, it's it's great to come off and talk about some of these players that are just playing with confidence and, and shining as well. You, you talk about the transfer windows who've bought who we're looking at and I, and I think it's the Newcastle way or the way I like to see it is we've got some young guys in there who we haven't gone out and bought the Galacticos yet. But for now, the guys we've brought in are, are players that Eddie Howe wants to work with, wants to mould and and shine on through. And I, I think it's a great thing that the the way we're playing right now and that kind of touches back onto the... We didn't have a great first half. Eddie Howe has to get them in and go, hang on, guys, you you need to play better. And it's, it's a bit of you know, the sides of of, of a coin, you know, what one side is, these are young guys who are finding their way a little bit. And at times I would actually like to see someone like Trippier and Callum Wilson to not do a Zinchenko and ask everybody to huddle around and it's all going to be okay. But we we need some of the guys in there to, you know, as great as Bruno is and as great as Joe Linton is, they are still young upcoming players. Mm. It's great that they can play fresh Freely Willick has shown his skills. Isaac's doing it as well. And that's kind of the, the, the two sides of it. Um, I think it'll be very interesting when we uh, finish in the top four and get Champions League, that hmm. some of these guys will will see the step up. And I think you need a player like Trippier and, and Callum Wilson to keep them in. And I think that's why Eddie Howe's been so pivotal in those halftime team talks to say, come on, guys, you do have the ability. You can show it. Um and there's only a few to go, but I'm hoping we're going to see a lot more from all of them.
1: I'll just I'll just talk about Bruno quickly. First of all, absolutely oh, yeah. hilarious that you got given that goal. <laughs> if you're in the ground, we we saw the goal well, go in. too
3: far away. I couldn't even Own see goal. It. There we go. A <laughs> bit of
1: luck. Sven Bottman, who should have scored earlier mm-hmm. than that, he kind of found it funny. Everyone ran to Botman. All of a sudden, the bloke on the tanner says Bruno Gamaris, and you're just like, I, I, that, 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 that. you got you got one job. Um, <laughs> watch <what's> a <your> replay. <laughs> Being very harsh, but it was funny. Charlotte, you suggested that maybe they just wanted to make it a special day for Bruno.
0: Yeah, because he brought um, he had his little baby with him. Did it? Did you see? No. Just so I think his baby's only about six months old, and um, as a as a special mascot today, so Bruno carried him on the pitch and had him in a little Bruno top. So I think they just were like, let's give him a goal because his kids here, we'll just do that. Uh, it was good today, though, Bruno. I think you know. Uh, it, we look at isak and talk about how balletic he is on the ball bruno's another one who really dances with it and dances around people and he is just he is a joy to watch they they did try and shut down the midfield today that was certainly their game plan but um i just love watching him sort of weave in and out of players with the ball it's great
1: i like how hard he is he, he, he <laughs> gets kicked a fuck every single yeah, game he does. every single <laughs> game it's, 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 no wonder his ankles are causing him grief and that's one of the key things about the scouting and the signing was it's it's great to sign a Brazilian, isn't it? But we've got to have two of the hardest Brazilians going in, in our team. Um, and, and then, you know, like you said today, Charlotte, Southampton came in and just thought any time any castle midfielder gets the ball in that mm. first half, there's going to be two lads and they're not they're not fussed what they kick them out of the ball. And the referee has to try and look after our lads a little bit better. But I thought he was really good second half. Once he starts popping the ball off, playing one-twos the people there's very little the opposition can do to stop it without over committing and then that's why you, I, I feel you saw Isak get so much space second half because they become so concerned with our midfield playing so well all of a sudden the wide lads are left to their own devices.
0: Well, we're on Bruno just because I'm looking at my Twitter in real time he has tweeted himself not my best day at the office today but it does happen sometimes was he what was, well, was the
1: goal wasn't it? Probably what? he's probably he's probably thinking about the goal still.
0: Yeah, okay. All right.
1: Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll leave it there for part part 2 of the show back uh, after this from Charlotte uh with part 3. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle came back to beat Southampton by 3 goals to 1 on another magic afternoon at St James's Park. I'm Alex. I've got Charlotte, Mick Martin and Rob to join us today to talk through what happened and why is Newcastle take another step forward toward the Champions League first little advert for you come and join us on Patreon it's three to eight pounds a month we've got loads going on this week reflecting on this game and building up to a monster game with Arsenal we'll have a review of this show we've got a full preview we'll have Craig Hope on as well to talk about this fixture and much more three to eight pounds a month Let's talk about the Champions League. Tell me Mommy I won't be home for tea. <laughs> I'm going to Italy is now the song at home and away games. And it, it's, it. you know, I, I think it's long been decided that the team can't think like that. They can't talk like that. You look at Liverpool now beating Spurs 3-1 at the time of recording. They were 3-0 up after fourteen minutes deja vu <laughs> for Spurs, but uh, it looks like they're fucked as a football club in a number of ways. But you know, Liverpool play today. If they win that game, they play twice. Before we play Arsenal, and then they're only three points behind us. If we got beat today, they would have gone level on points. We'll have a game in hand or two on Liverpool when we do kick off against Arsenal. But it does seem, I don't know who wants to talk about it, Charlotte. It, you know, it, there is kind of an acceptance, I feel, in Newcastle of 65 points, uh, which is the most points they've achieved in the Premier League season since 11 12, when Newcastle finished on 65 points, and we've still got four, three or four to play, four or five to play, sorry. You know, it, it looks like it's more and more unlikely that Newcastle won't be in the Champions League. Where are you at with
0: it? Yeah, that's a very, like, nice way of putting it. Unlikely that... It looks unlikely that we won't. <laughs> um, yes, I was... It's really weird to be looking at the table and just thinking, like, oh, no, man, you won. That means that they're sort of, you know... It, literally last season, I was looking at the bottom of the table and thinking, oh, God, we're we're going to drop points here where do it it's hard because I, I almost I'm not a particularly superstitious person but I feel like by talking about it I'm jinxing it I do feel like that is an there's an element of that um but it does look unlikely that we won't finish in a Champions League place I can't see we've got a couple of hard games the ones I would identify are going to be Arsenal and going to be Brighton those are going to be difficult but they are at home so that adds an advantage I think to us um and the other games, I think we can pick up points. I think Liverpool have a not a difficult run of games coming up, so they might pick up points there. Man United, um, they, they don't have a particularly difficult run either. Um, I think a couple of games, I think they've also got to play Brighton and, and a couple of other teams. So I, I, I'm just hoping they just you know, shit the bed a little bit with a couple of those and we just stick to the form we're in. I just want to focus on the form we're in. Look at the games we've been playing. Aston Villa aside, we have a solution to most of the problems that we've been presented with um, in the last few games that we've played. So we just have to trust the process. I think we will. I think we will.
1: Make thoughts on Newcastle are on this Trapper's
2: League chase. I, I don't think it's over until it's over. Um, so, you know, I hear people talking about, you know, we're definitely in it and I think that's crazy talk we've got to uh, we've got to do the business uh, i don't see any sign of nerves in the team at all i don't i don't see them kind of getting the shakes you know like previous newcastle teams have at various at various different points they seem a very grounded lot they seem to be the personification of the manager let's be honest so um we just need to there's 15 points to play for you know we've got a cushion um and we need to get to we need to knock the other team, well Liverpool, out the Liverpool and Man United. We need, to, well Liverpool in particular. I think Spurs are doing it to themselves. Mm. We mm. just need to, we just need to knock Liverpool out of the game as soon as we possibly can. So we win the next two games, and we've virtually done that, haven't we? So you know, that's that's what we've that's what we've just got to focus on on our own games. You know, support us. We're always going to look at the table and fixtures and who's got what and who's. Who's in form, et cetera. Newcastle have we're in a position now, five games left. Just go out and win them. And that, you know, and win them as quickly as we can, starting with Arsenal next week. We knock Arsenal out off the top. And I think that's that is very, very doable because they haven't I think they're not going to win the league are And I think that's that's kind of coming to their realisation. So they're on the wobble. We can beat Arsenal next next Sunday um and get that one. Down and then we just, then we're just looking for collecting the points, just win the games. It sounds simple, doesn't it? That's we've just got to concentrate on how we prepare for matches and win them all. Um, Arsenal, they're tough. They're a great side. Brighton are a great side. Leeds will be a horrible place to go to when they're fighting for their lives, and Ellen Road uh, can be a very very daunting place to go. We've got Leicester. It's it's in James's Park. And we've got to go to Chelsea. Chelsea cannot buy a win but they might be different by then so you know it all it all changes but I don't want to be going to Chelsea last game of the season looking for points Uh, I want it all done and dusted by then and I think it will be just win Newcastle just win keep winning
1: absolutely and that's good advice and I actually I think Liverpool looking at their fixtures I think you're right Mick Spurs have knocked themselves out Villa made a lot of noise but you know, we find ourselves 11 points ahead of them, they, and we've got a game in hand. They're not going to catch us. Liverpool are the one people are worried about because of their fixture list. Because, a bit like Man City, there's always been a, an assumption that Man City could put together eight wins in a row from nowhere. They have done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Liverpool can get a maximum of 71 points this season. So we're six points off that. So you'd say seven points from our last five games, which is very doable. Yeah. Uh, it does it. And the way to do that, like you say, is just do it as quickly as possible. Let's really enjoy that. I, um, I want to see that last home game of the season, Monday night, stress free. If there is stress, fine. Let's <laughs> deal with it. But it would be great, a bit like last season, actually, where we, where we were able to kind of put on a show because we just had to go out there and play to our potential and play play to the best we could and we we'll, we'll give Arsenal a we we'll give Arsenal a beating that their fans still talk about and still harbor a grudge against. So it'd be really interesting if we can go and do that with them again and really get a bit of a psychological edge over them. Um, Rob, where are you? Are you already looking at kind of time off work and all this for next year or or does it get the job done first?
3: No, I've got to echo what the guys have said there, which is it's it's not done till it's done, but I think as much as Eddie Howe will and is conducting himself in the way that we have got to know Eddie Howe, he will not speak of anything other than the game that's next up. I think that, as we've said, the, the players represent the same... Uh, they go out and play game by game, they know what they have to do, but then you've also got Joe Linton and Bruno having little giggles and interviews about what could they be doing next, and I think it's a a very real reality that the players are aware of. They're they're trained, they are um, mirroring their manager, they will not overdo things, but you can see there's a little bit of that in there, and if... You're telling me that Eddie Howe and Mad Dog Tyndall aren't having beers for the bank holiday weekend celebrating, you know, what is to come. Uh, I think they are. I think Eddie Howe's very clever. He won't publicly show it and I will not publicly on this podcast say that I definitely think it's happening. But behind closed doors, I think most people in that squad are not shaking hands just yet, but maybe a little cheers with a beer and thinking we're on the right road. Let's make sure it happens.
1: Indeed, indeed, and uh, it'll be a good day. I still actually remember the last time we did it in 03, I think we'll beat Birmingham City at home 1-0, which was a nice day in, um, under Steve Bruce as it was. That was a long time ago, basically, it was 17 years since we've done it, so <laughs> it's absolutely crucial for the, foot, uh, the future of this football club. The news announced this week, although it hasn't been confirmed by the club, new shirt sponsor £25 million, as reported by Martin Hardy in the Times, uh, you know, these kind of sponsorship deals are always more lucrative if you get in to uh, competitions like the Champions League and go further through them. And the football club is in that; it's on that trajectory. It has Champions League players, has a has a Champions League manager. We think um, it's got a, it's got a stadium fit for the Champions League. It's got a fan base fit for the Champions League. Uh, everything's moving in the right direction and uh and and we should be there i also think we're the third best team in the league and it would be nice to finish above man united like you say charlotte they've got an easy running but they're also capable of just shitting the bed like they did on Mm -hmm. on uh on thursday at tottenham uh we will leave it there though it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you all much more to be talked about from this fixture in our review podcast on patreon which will be out tomorrow night come and join us on there three to eight pounds a month we'll be back with this show after Arsenal which is a huge game for the reasons Mick talked about uh, next Sunday so speak to you all then bye-bye